Greetings, journeyers, and welcome back to Read Keeper's Journey. This episode brings us back to Ken, Heather, and Stacy as they try to reunite with the boys. Now, back to the story. Chapter 26 Heather knew the tent flap brushing against her barely made a sound, but in the night stillness, it felt like a shout. A look back showed that Stacy still slept. Heather shook her head and slipped into the night. She would have enjoyed the past few days, if not for Stacy's tears. Riding the horses made her feel like she was back at her father's ranch on the outskirts of Pozo. She was always content to ride for hours, and her dad told everyone that she rode as if she was born on the back of a horse. She felt another pang of guilt at the thought of Stacy crying herself to sleep for the third straight night. What Callista was doing to the poor girl bordered on torture, and Heather knew now it was time to put an end to the abuse. Heather jerked her shirt straight and marched to where Callista stood watch over the small clearing. We need to talk, Heather said. This was no time for politeness. The young dryad continued to stare into the dark forest. Is she asleep? Yes, she cried herself to sleep, Heather snipped. Again. Callista sagged, placing the weight on the short spear she held. I do not have the heart for this. Zoe has a will that such trials require. Heather opened her mouth and then shut it. She had stilled her resolve to demand Stacy's freedom, but Callista's reaction tripped her up. Suddenly, the girl didn't appear to be the brutal taskmaster anymore. Heather feared that a taste for power had changed her, but now she just looked tired and sad. If you don't want to do it, then don't. It is not a question of want. It is my duty. Callista turned to Heather, the tears on her face catching the moonlight. We are bound, and I must instruct her in the ways of our kind. Her request was grievous, and she must be taught the consequences of such selfish actions. Then, as if to herself, she added, Wisdom is difficult to instill in the young. Do you have to be so hard on her? There must be another way for her to learn. Stacy's feet were bleeding, after all. This is the way it has always been, Clista said. The chores are part of our culture. It is part of the binding. A girl must learn that her actions carry effects for the whole community. Hippolyta is the one fond of saying, every leaf holds a purpose. There is no such thing as worthless responsibility. To say someone has a worthless responsibility is like saying their life is a waste of the spirit, that their existence is an affront to the spirit itself. For some, it is a difficult lesson to learn. It took Zoe 15 years, but she is made of sterner stuff than I. No, I cannot relent, but perhaps her punishment is completed. Her shame has matched the shame she has caused me. I will bandage her feet, and she may ride with me tomorrow. Heather shivered. Initially, she thought Stacy had gotten off easy. The girl's punishment simply consisted of her walking next to Callista while she held the stirrup. However, three days of hard walking had been devastating to the poor girl. Stacy's feet blistered on the first day, and Callista refused Heather's demand to bandage them. 
Stacy's horrified look when she was commanded to walk the next day still haunted Heather. Stacy was much tougher than Heather would have first guessed. She refused to shed a single tear in Callista's presence. She reserved them all for Heather's shoulder. Thank you, Heather said. I feel very alone out here, Heather Shackelford. I have not been this far from the tree since I was very young, and that was only because of Zoe's recklessness. When we were children, she would swim further into the river or wander deeper into the forest than I ever dared. Zoe has never said so, but I believe that she was ashamed her sister was such a coward. That's ridiculous. Every sister wishes she was more like the other. It would not surprise me if Zoe wishes she was more like you. You are graceful and elegant, and you're gorgeous. I'd be lying if I said you didn't make me jealous at first. Callista shifted her feet. You are too kind, Heather Shackelford. I have felt the same way about you. When Steve Voss looks at you, he sees nothing else. To be so desired is a treasure. Thank you. A flood of memories swirling around Steve swallowed her thoughts. We met at school. I didn't think much of him at first. He was a little too cocky for me. Braggart was the first word that popped into her head when he plopped down next to her. He asked me out about five minutes after we met. I said no, of course. The memory of his shocked expression brought a smile to her face. I found a daisy taped to my locker later that day. He asked me out every day for two weeks, and each day I found something taped to my locker, a flower, a picture, a poem. Finally, I relented, and we've been together ever since. That was eight months ago. Callista smiled, but it was obvious she only understood half of what had been said. Heather opened her mouth to explain when something shuffled in the woods. Her heart jumped into her throat. The bones in Callista's hands creaked as she tightened her grip on the short spear. Gather your friends. What is it? Go, now, she repeated, hushed and urgent. Quietly, take them to the horses. Heather hesitated a moment to watch Callista scoop up her bow, scanning the forest. Heather rushed back to their tent. She slipped inside and placed a gentle hand on Stacy. Stacy, I want you to go to the horses. What's wrong with Callista? She feels worried. Heather clamped a hand over Stacy's mouth. Shh! And you get your shoes on by yourself. Stacy nodded, but a low moan escaped her lips as she stood. Don't worry, you get to ride. I'll get Ken, and I'll meet you at the horses. Be quick, but be quiet, Heather whispered as she stepped out of the tent. The moon shone bright over the encampment. Callista was gone. Heather remembered how she thought today's campsite was idyllic. Now, it filled her with dread. Despite the moon's brightness, the night pressed down in all directions and surrounded the campsite like a black siege. She watched Stacy limp towards the horses before entering Ken's tent. What's wrong? Ken asked, already sitting up in his cot. I don't know, and keep it down, Heather answered. Clista said to get to the horses. Ken's pale face stood out from the shadows. Dark circles gathered under his eyes gave him a skeletal appearance. He clutched at his chest. Some, something's out there. His eyes were wide with a terrible wonder. I can feel it. Shh, come on. Heather turned and stepped out of the tent just as a bowstring thrummed from the trees. Something screamed in the dark. 
It was a hideous sound full of pain and rage. Heather's nerve broke and she bolted for the trees. Finn pounded behind her as the night exploded in sound. Screeches filled the encampment as dark creatures swarmed from the forest. A thing with eyes too large for its skull lunged for her with black talons. It crumpled at her feet, its bent teeth clenched around an arrowhead. The shaft protruded from the back of its skull. The thing looked like a man horribly twisted. Heather froze, her eyes affixed to the gruesome sight, and she screamed. Her head snapped to the side as Ken yanked her arm. Move! he shouted. Callista appeared from the forest with a bow in hand, looking like the goddess Athena. Her long blonde ponytail infused with moonlight as she drew another arrow from the quiver at her side. The shaft whizzed past Heather's ear and struck something wet behind her. Heather didn't look back and doubled her speed to the horses where she saw Stacy waiting. Heather leapt onto her horse, thanking her father for all those lessons he had paid for, and hoisted Stacy onto the back of hers as Ken crawled into a saddle. What's happening? Stacy cried. Callista flowed onto her horse with an urgent elegance and kicked the steed into an instant gallop. Hold on! Heather shouted at Stacy and spurred her mount after the dryad. She looked back only once and saw a dozen black creatures pillaging their campsite. Wickedly hooked swords slashed through tents. Cries and garbled shouts chased after her as she pursued Callista. Stacy's nails bit into Heather's waist as she buried her face into Heather's back. Heather could already feel the girl's tears soaking through her shirt, and Heather realized her own tears were streaming down her face as well. Callista raced through the dark forest, and thankfully the horrible sounds fell back into the night. Heather looked back once at Ken during their flight. He was a dark rider, hunched over a dark horse. Heather shivered. After what seemed like an eternity, Callista drew her mount to stop. This is the river ahead. The Exotheneo cannot cross running water while the moon is out. The Exo-what? Ken gasped. His wide, terrified eyes gave him a haunted look in the shadowy light. The despised. Callista spat. We must hurry. They can outrun horses over a short distance, and they will not give up their hunt tonight. Follow me. She maneuvered her mount into a thicket that lined the road. Their pace was agonizingly slow as Callista guided them through the underbrush, though the trees seemed to lean back as they made their way through the dense forest. Heather believed it was only her imagination, but not one leaf brushed her as they continued deeper into the wood. A horn called out and was answered by shrieks of triumph. The horses jerked around, eyes wild, but Stacy whimpered. They're getting closer, Ken moaned. They have found our trail, Callista said. She turned her mount to face Heather. Callista gripped the bridle of Heather's horse and stared into its eyes for a long moment. John knows the way. The embankment is just a little further up. I will meet you on the other side, she said, and pushed her horse past the way they had come. Heather's horse, John, pressed forward without her prompting. Heather felt an anger that was not her own. The emotion seemed to permeate from the woods and soak the air. The forest was alive with sound of trees that shook and swayed in the still air. The crashing of their pursuers continued to grow louder, pockmarked with screams as Callista's arrows found their mark. Who names a horse John? Heather thought. If something happens to her, we're dead. Ken's voice was thick with fear. Shut up! Heather hissed as Stacy's grip tightened around her waist. We're going to be fine. We just have to make it to the river. As if by command, the trees parted, revealing a five-foot embankment. 
We made it. Heather almost laughed in relief. She pushed her horse down the slope into a steadily flowing river. She welcomed the biting cold as it crawled up her leg as John waded into the water. The river was wide, but thankfully not very deep at their crossing. They were across the flowing water quickly, and Heather slipped off her horse onto numb feet. No! Ken wailed and pointed at the far side. Callista appeared from the trees, a spark of light in a sea of darkness. Her spear blurred in her hand as she fought a horde of gnashing teeth. They're going to kill her, Ken said. Heather knew he was right. Callista's breathtaking skill was being overrun by the wave of those things. Her blocks and swings were growing weaker. Heather stared at the battle as fear crept up her spine. One misstep and all was lost. If anything happened to Callista, they were all dead. The numbness of her legs spread across her body as the battle consumed her sight. The embankment leapt toward Heather. Still rooted to her spot, Heather somehow stood beside Callista. Was Callista. Stacy continued to clutch at her hand, and yet she could feel the impact of the bow as she deflected a strike. She could feel Callista's pounding heartbeats and her labored breaths like her own. The stench of the beast crawled into her nostrils. The burn in her arms and legs as her muscles exhausted themselves was agonizing. Her foot slipped on the embankment, and she was nearly decapitated. She missed her sister Zoe and felt one tear leak from her hot eye for a lover long lost. No, they whispered together. They knew Stacy needed them. They could not fail. With lungs filled with fire and arms, she, Callista, Heather, raised their hands and cried as one, Patress! and pierced the earth with their spear. Light consumed the night. Mud from the embankment oozed between Heather's fingers. A livid purple scar cut through her vision. The world sounded like it was wrapped in cotton. Heather tried to stand, but slipped and sat down with a jolt. She heard a splash through the buzz in her head and saw Ken swimming frantically towards a bobbing form in the water. A crater smoked at the far end of the river. Charred, crumpled forms lay motionless along its edge in the black mud. Ken scooped an arm around the unconscious girl and pulled her to safety to the shore. Heather rose unsteadily to her feet as Stacy rushed to help him. What happened? Stacy asked as she hooked her arms underneath Callista's and pulled her to dry land. Ken flopped onto his back, exhausted. It was like, I don't know, Ken gasped. An explosion? He wiped water from his face with a shaking hand. I was looking right at it. It nearly blinded me. Didn't you see it? It blew her halfway across the river. Heather pressed an ear against Callista's chest. A rush of relief flooded her. Stacy, can you find some dry clothes for Callista? Honey, it's okay now. Stacy sniffed and wiped her nose on her sleeve. Oh, okay. She managed to say before she hobbled up the embankment to the horses. Callista gasped and began to thrash. It's okay, Heather said. We made it. The spirit be merciful. <coughs> I'm alive. Heather nodded. Ken pulled you from the river. He saved your life. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Ken looked away. I found this. Stacy handed a pair of breeches and shirt to Heather. Heather took them. You both need a change. There is no time. Callista resisted and then shivered. Do it. She saw that Ken was already heading to the horse to find some dry clothes. You will slow us down in the long run if you get sick. Callista nodded reluctantly and began to strip. Heather and Stacy spun quickly, abashed by the girl's lack of modesty. 
By the time she had changed, Ken was pulling on his boots. He had thrown on a cloak for warmth, and combined with the moonlight falling on his shoulders, it made him look almost heroic. Heather knew Ken rarely said the right thing, and seemed prone to be argumentative. She had seen him argue a point he didn't even believe in with a classmate for ten minutes, but despite any opinions that she had formed, he had not hesitated to jump in the river after Callista. His difficulties were evident ever since being thrown into this new world, but each of them dealt with the crazy situation in their own way. Heather decided she would try not to judge him so harshly in the future. Callista pulled on a hooded cloak around her shoulders. We must leave now. At moonset, the exothenea will be across the water. What happened to your horse? Stacy asked. Peter was lost. He was brave and noble to the end. If not for him, I would have not made it to the river. We have to go, Ken said as he scanned the far side of the riverbank. Ken Cavalier and I will ride together, Callista said and leapt onto Ken's horse. Callista turned and stretched out her hand. At first, Ken just stared at the hand, then shrugged, took it, and flung his leg over the saddle. Hesitantly, he scooted against Callista. Heather hoped she managed to hide her smile and assisted Stacy on the back of her horse. John stepped about, eager to be on his way. From the direction of the crater, an acrid smell from the charred black flesh rose and assaulted Heather's nostrils. She looked at the scorched earth in the failing moonlight and quickly turned her back on it. Where are we going? Heather asked. There is a Hyperborean settlement at the northwest edge of the forest, Calista said as her horse picked its way through the underbrush. It is out of our way, but I fear our choices are limited. The despised will not attack a fort. They are cowards. They seek only the easiest of prey. In the daylight, we will continue on to the city. How far is it? Stacy asked with a tremor in her voice. Not far, little sister. Fret not. Heather was not encouraged as she watched the moon creep toward the horizon. She was no fool. A disturbing thought occurred to her. Callista never warned them of a danger when they left the tree. And the more Heather thought about it, it seemed that the Metep was surprised by the attack. Her horse trotted faster, picking up on Heather's anxiousness. She steeled herself and gently pulled back on the reins. It wasn't a random attack. Those things were aimed at them. Her mind flashed back to the memory of the fiery hound at the creek. I have chosen well. Stacy's body slumped against Heather's back, asleep, arms wrapped loosely around Heather's waist. Heather's back creaked as she straightened, gently pushing back on the weight, not wanting to wake the poor girl. Heather's own body seemed to absorb exhaustion from Stacy, and it threatened to drag her down. She didn't know how long they had ridden, at least a couple of hours, and they would have to stop or soon Heather was going to fall out of her saddle. Clista's notion of not far was, Heather thought, vastly off the mark. She rubbed her eyes and tried to get her bearings. She noted a change in their surroundings. The forest seemed darker, and not simply due to the failed moonlight. The trees seemed different, but Heather could not say how. It was like they were dead but somehow alive. Zombie trees, Ken whispered. Heather jerked. We haven't spoken for hours, and that's the first thing he says, she thought. Heather rubbed the goose flesh from her arms. 
How much further? she asked. Their leader guided them into an open space and drew her mount to a halt. We are here. Do you mind if I stretch my legs? Ken asked as he slid off the horse with a grunt. What I wouldn't give for a dirt bike, he muttered to himself. Heather drew a long, relieved breath as she broke through the dark trees. She rode into the clearing, leaving her growing sense of claustrophobia in the twisted branches. She reveled in her ability to see more than five feet in any direction. Heather could feel Stacy stir against her back and wake up. Are we there? Roughly 500 yards ahead, a wall built of sharpened logs barred their path. She could make out a structure, perhaps two stories high, past the spikes. The sight of something as normal as a building almost brought tears of relief to her eyes. Almost. Calista seemed hesitant as she peered at the barrier. She looked back at the forest several times before she spoke. We have no choice but to seek refuge in this town. I do not trust these woods, nor the people in the towns, but we have few options. Ken, you must take the lead. These are your people, and my presence will draw suspicion. Do not speak of where you have stayed or what pursues us. Hyperborean can be dark-minded people. They are bound by the treaty, but it is best to use caution. Here, Callista slipped from her horse. I will walk the steed as you ride. With any hope, they will see me as only a servant. A small pouch clinked when she handed it to him. This is for our stay. Chin took the small bag and slipped it into the folds of his cloak and climbed back into the saddle. You sound like we're still in trouble. Callista made no comment as she took the reins of the horse and began to lead it towards the town. Ken flashed Heather a dubious look and then straightened himself in the saddle. Heather continued to scan the tree line, waiting for the moment when the exothenea would pour out of the forest. The moon had been out of sight for more than an hour, and those things could have easily crossed the water by now. She didn't know what time it was, but she feared the sunrise was still far off. As they crossed the low rise, Heather spied white stones that formed in a line off to her right. What is that? Grave markers, Callista replied. The Hyperborean lined the entrance roads to their towns with their dead. An icy finger crawled up Heather's spine. She suddenly found it very difficult not to spur her horse into a full gallop. Every second it took to cross the clearing seemed like an eternity. The thought of the dead rotting near the road brought rich bile to her throat. She thrust down her building panic and glued her eyes to the growing wall and tried to ignore the dead. The two towers stood on each side of the gate and a voice barked a command when they approached. They halted instinctively and sat in silence until Ken realized he should say something. Ah, greetings, he started lamely. We seek lodging, Heather winced. No admittance after sunset. A voice answered from the tower to their left. Yes, of course, but we have been attacked and seek safety. No admittance after sunset. Perhaps we can come to some sort of agreement, Ken said, pulling out his bag of coins with a toss. It is difficult to spend money while hanging from a crucifix, growled the tower. The bag vanished as Ken quickly backtracked. Of course, only a fool would attempt to bribe an honorable guard. Please! Heather didn't have to fake the desperation in her voice. If she didn't get past those walls soon, she was going to scream. My brother is an idiot. Going out after dark was his idea. Please do not punish us because of his foolishness. Something heavy slid behind the gate, 
and one of the fifteen-foot doors opened to reveal three forms. One soldier held an ornate staff roughly as tall as himself. He was flanked by two others, equally as big and serious. Torchlight gleamed off their polished armor. They looked as if they had walked out of a picture from one of Heather's history books, Roman guards flanking a centurion. Your brother is an idiot. I should make him wait until dawn to teach him some sense, but I doubt he would be here in the morning. Enter, and let me look at you. Thank you, sir. Heather gushed as they hurried into the safety of the city. You will address me as Optio Castorium or Optio Varius, he ordered. Heather stepped forward, searching furiously for a believable tale, but before she could utter a word, Varius cried out and leveled his staff at Callista. The two guards leapt in front of the commanding officer with swords drawn and shields at the ready. Stacy screamed and threw her arms around Heather. Both towers thundered as armored men poured out of them. Show me your face, fiend! Varius shouted as he shouldered past his guards. The dryad held her head high and elegantly pulled the hood from her fair brow. I am Callista of Metef, third keeper of the staff and watcher of the tree. May you always find sun and water, Optio Varius. I claim the safety of the treaty and seek passage through the kingdom. Well, so much for stealth, Ken said to no one in particular. That's all for this week, Journeyers. Check in next week to see what fate awaits the trio in the Hyperborean Fort. Thank you for listening, and be good to one another.